Welcome one and all to Vision on Sound here on Fab Radio International with me, Martin Holmes. This week we welcome back Lisa Parker from the Round the Archives podcast and we're going to have a bit of a natter about one of my favourite US TV shows, the phenomenally successful Law and Order, the recently revived crime series that launched a franchise consisting of a whole raft of spin-offs. And we'll also be talking about its UK counterpart, unsurprisingly called Law and Order UK. So let's just let the ominous voices of Stephen Zern-Kilton and Robert Glenister do what they do best. In the criminal justice system, the people are represented by two separate yet equally important groups. The police who investigate crime. And the crown prosecutors who prosecute the offenders. These, These are, are their, their stories. stories. Hello, Martin. I'm fine. And how are you? I'm very well, thank you. It's been a while since we spoke. It has, yes. But uh, you are back and Mm -hmm. and we are keen and ready to go. And uh, today you wanted to talk a little bit about law and order. Yes, yes. Which is unusual because I don't normally... I was going to say I don't normally watch American stuff. I obviously do watch American stuff because I've been watching law and order. But it's not something I usually sort of think about a lot. But I've been watching quite a lot of it. And it occurred to me, because I'd watched the UK version when that was on, mm. um, and it occurred to me it might be interesting to look at both side by side. So look at the American right. version and look at the British version, which was almost immediately derailed by the fact that it was on BritBox and then it wasn't on BritBox. Ah, OK. So, I did notice recently, I think A-series has turned up on ITV yeah. uh, X, but it's, it's it seems to be very intermittent. It yes. sort of turns up, yeah. is available for a very short while and then disappears again. Mm. Now, the American Law and Order, I was a big fan of the American Law and Order uh, mm-hmm. when it was, it used to be on Channel 5 yes. a long time ago. Yeah. And we used to get these stacks of tapes mm-hmm. every month because we didn't get Channel 5 where I, I live. No. <laughs> So what happened was we used to get it recorded and every couple of months we'd get seven episodes with the slightly different theme tune, which for various reasons the UK version had uh, a different version of the theme tune on. But we used to get these sort of sent to us. So every two months or so we would binge watch mm-hmm. half a or a third of a series of, of law and order yeah so who's your who's your favorite team then if, you know if, if you can well remember. this is it you see because the reason we started watching it is because uh, my partner had a very good memories of watching the original with michael moriarty mm-hmm. michael moriarty I yes yes the original ada mm-hmm. now but the ones we were watching then were from about series uh, six to about series 
12. Hmm. It was that sort of era. Yeah. So it was it was all the bald eagle, as we call him, the, <laughs> uh, the, the great American bald eagle, Sam Waterstone. <laughs> yes. Oh, now you said that, I'm never going to be able to get that out of my head. <laughs> mm. It was just the image we had, I'm afraid. Yeah, but I can really see it. Now you've said it, it's the eyebrows. <laughs> it may well be. Yeah. It may well be. But I, no, I became a very big fan of Law and Order, and I, and I picked up a couple of books and everything. There's one book, massive coffee table book I picked up, which is basically crime scene photos from Law and Order. Oh, a really weird book because oh. it's actually just quite gruesome. Yes. You know, it's just, it, that's it. It's a load of photographs that the show, the authenticity of the show. It was, But I, I just became quite obsessed with the way the cast kept changing all the time mm-hmm. and, and who would be in it and who would, wouldn't be in it. So in terms of longest serving cast members, Sam Waterston, I think by a country mile, him and S. Apatha Merkison. Mm-hmm were basically the longest yeah. serving actors. And yet the detectives used to come and go, the ADAs used to come and go, mm-hmm. the, even the, the DA. I mean, uh, Stephen Hill, who some people might remember from the very first season of Mission Impossible, mm-hmm. did 10 seasons yes. of uh, Law and & Order. And weirdly did a heck of a lot. It's a great acting performance by doing very little. He sometimes would sort of just wave his hat or or wave a hand or yes. just give a look yeah. and he was wonderful mm-hmm. in that show yeah yeah i've seen a few with him now um i have gone back because um five usa is showing it in the afternoons um mm. at the moment now they tend to cycle through the same three seasons don't they but not consecutive they, they so do they get some from season seven some yeah. from season 12 and things yeah. like that it's very it's a very eclectic mix that but it's, there's about five every afternoon isn't it yes it's, it's really quite annoying though because they'll show three from say series mm. um 10 and then the next one will be mm. from series 11 or series 12 and particularly if there's, mm. there's one episode i watched where one of the detectives was shot detective green played by um jesse l oh, martin yeah. and to find out what happened I had to buy the series on Amazon because <laughs> there was no guarantee that they were going to show the next episode right. anytime soon. Right. So, okay. so I've got a few. I've got a few because I looked at the DVDs and I do have the DVD for the first series with um, mm. Michael Moriarty in it. And that's a completely different cast, isn't it? it? Is. I mean, that's the weird yeah. thing about the early season. I mean, the first season has George Dunzer in it. Yes. He was only in that season. Yes. I, I, again, one of those things when we were watching the later seasons on Channel 5, I did pick up the first three seasons, I think it was, on disc way, way, way back in time. Mm-hmm. So you get Chris North, who yes. was a big part of the, I mean, the first five years of yeah. Law and Order. You had Chris North in it mm-hmm. and Michael Moriarty for the first four years. Uh, and it just feels like a completely different show. And yet it is Hmm. It's the same basic format because it, it it's one of those shows that's definitely got a format. You'll get the opening of the program is the crime um, or hmm. the or the somebody coming across. It's mostly murders, to be honest. So so it's yeah, somebody it's dog walkers finding bodies or yes. joggers finding bodies. This happens a lot. Yeah. <laughs> People finding bodies and then the police come. You hmm. usually get some sort of wisecrack. From one of them, and then it goes into the ah, Lenny. Yours, the, the Lennyism. Lenny, Lenny's very Lenny Briscoe, who's played by Jerry Allback, is very good at that. He's 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 the, he's a great all round character, and we will come back to him in in a little bit. And then you get mm-hmm. into after the opening credits, you get into the start of the investigation because it it splits into two half hours. Just in case anybody's not seen it, the first half an hour is the investigation of the crime, and the second half an hour is the prosecution of the crime. 
So it, it splits mm. quite nicely into those two sort of... But sometimes it's really weird because you think, you know, the second half an hour would mostly be the court case, but sometimes the court case doesn't actually start until mm. the last 10, 15 minutes of the episode. But they still make it's it work. It's a peculiar thing. I remember reading a long time ago that the, the reason Dick Wolf came up with this is that for some reason back in 1988 you couldn't get hour-long dramas onto american television mm-hmm. so he decided if you split it into two half hours yeah. it was like two different shows yeah. now i don't remember a time when there weren't hour-long dramas on american television but this was the argument for him coming up with this concept and the pilot was it took about two years to be accepted it was ridiculous yeah the, the pilot features weirdly uh, one of the actors who ended up playing the detective on csi much later mm-hmm. So there's a kind of vague connection and a vague DNA running through everything. It apparently was a really hard sell, yeah. and yet it became a phenomenon, which uh, I think the original run was 20 years. It was very nearly the longest-running drama on US television. Mm-hmm. It nearly overtook Gunsmoke, but then didn't. But then other series came along and did that, including, weirdly, one of the Law & Order spin-offs. Mm-hmm. And it's also recently come back. And the Law and Order, well. uh, as a franchise, has yeah. several spin-offs oh, it's got, now, it's, it's it? has got loads of spin-offs. You, when, you, when you try and look for it, you're having to go through, no, I don't want that, no, not Criminal Intent or mm. Special Victims Unit or whatever. I mean, I do have, as I say, mm. I, I bought series the Series 1 DVD and I got it, um, mm. somebody had it, I got it sort of second-hand off eBay and somebody had mm. it with um, Law and Order Criminal Intent Series 2. So then I had to go mm. back and buy series one of that because I was like, well, I can't go in at series mm. two because I won't know who anybody is. Um, it's, mm. it's 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 a it's a sort of television fan thing. You can't start stuff off with the second series. You have to start from the beginning. <laughs> properly. And I've only watched, very good I've only point. Watched one now I actually so really like Criminal Intent yeah. as a spin-off. It's a very different show because it's it's very much that's just a police procedural. Mm-hmm. That lasted for about 10 years, and it's you know, it's just a really interesting show. Uh, I, w- I never talked to SVU as the <laughs> special victims unit for some reason. I think basically, uh, it's sometimes the crimes in it are just a little bit too horrible, yes. But yeah. uh, that now has overtaken everything and has become the longest running drama on American television, mm-hmm. so it's it's a phenomenal piece of television in itself. Yeah. And also, look, obviously, Lauren Alder came back for, for as, as is now back on US television, for, and you've got. Mm. So, so far, two more series with Sam mm. Watson back in there as the DA, looking very old mm. now. But then mm. he is 83. Well, he's so. he's just in the 80s, isn't he? Yeah. He must be in his 80s. Yeah, yeah. I think he turned 83 last week. So, um, right. as, as we talk, we're at, at the end of November, so, or the week before. Mm. But, um, yeah, so it's, mm. and it's a really interesting, because it's, as I say, it's definitely got a format because you usually get the first arrest of somebody about sort mm. of 15, 20 minutes in. But usually mm. the first person they arrest isn't the person that did the crime. <laughs> that will lead on to somebody else who leads that on to the killer. It's... Yeah, it's, it, it's, it's very much a thing of, well, it's not this person. This person will lead on to somebody else. That person will give you the clue that mm. leads you on to the killer. Mm. And I have to hold my hands up now and say, I, have, I, I try to research American sentencing and the various mm. different things you could be charged with and i have got no clue it's incomprehensible to me <laughs> there's an awful lot of people having deals to dob in somebody else yeah. isn't there yeah. what's this thing about <laughs> that seems to be part of yeah. it I, what, I mean obviously as well what doesn't help is there's no centralized criminal procedure in america so every state mm. does it slightly differently 
which mm. doesn't help when you're you, but yeah because obviously you've got you, got, you, you know they'll come in and say you, man too and you're like well that's obviously that's manslaughter is that is two worse than one is is you know is that worse than this mm. or that you know but in the end i thought oh, no, yes. cross border jurisdiction and yeah. everything yeah 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 and the laws of new york state which is of course where the main series is yes. set mm-hmm. it, it's all it's all new york city stuff filmed very much on the streets of new york and in a lot of cases pulling ripping from the headlines as they used to put it the stories that were in the press yeah. at the time you know yeah. sort of putting a twist on it what i also like about law and order and this is possibly just me is you get very little insight into the private lives of the main characters. No. Occasionally, no. you know, one of them is having a problem which has an ongoing storyline. But generally speaking, you don't sort of have their wife coming into the, the station to give them a hard time, like happens in a lot of other series. Mm-hmm. It's all about the work yes. in Law and Order. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that's where you get, because obviously you get the little, the little stings, don't you, with the title cards. Mm. And I mm. saw an interview with Dick Wolf said that's purely there so that you, you don't have to show them driving or, mm. or explaining where they're going to go next. You just show the title card mm. and you're there. So it's it's purely a time. It's certainly not thing. a show that's full of car chases or anything like that, no. is it? It's, it's, it's very much the bread and butter police work. Yes, yes. Yeah, so it's, I mean, it's, it's it's fascinating, really, and as you say, there's been over these sort of initial twenty years, there's a lot of different detectives in it. Because I mean, Jerry Allback as Lenny Briscoe, I think, is probably the best one because he's probably the one. It's probably the most memorable because yes. I think he did it the longest of all the yeah. detectives. Although Ed Green was in it for quite a long yes. time, but uh, yeah. But I think Allback is the one. I mean, he actually sort of binds you to the early seasons and the late seasons, and weirdly appears as a lawyer in season two. He does. He does. I watched. Weird. I watched that episode just yesterday, and it was quite strange to see him as 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 the lawyer trying to sort of make deals and you see, sort of mm. thing. Because apparently he auditioned for Max Greavy, who's the lead detective in series one, and the part right. that Paul Paul Sorvino plays in series mm. two. Because I watched. Because mm. I thought I'd. I picked a few episodes to watch that I thought were mm. ones that stand out episodes. So I did the first episode. Mm. I did the pilot episode, which weirdly appears something like episode six in the first series. Because mm. it's really odd. Cause... Everybody's favourite bag man, yes. that one. Yeah, because yeah, halfway through the series... Now, which, again, different different DA, yeah, you... Roy Thinnis. Roy Thinnis, yeah, as the DA. Yeah. yeah. And it's, and, but apparently he wasn't available for the series, so they got Stephen Hill in instead. But yeah, so it's really odd. And also you get a scene where the two policemen go to the DA's office and they, they're kind of introduced mm. to his assistant, who, who um, mm. Paul Robinette, who's, um, mm. who's like, it's his first time he's met them. And you're like, hang on a minute, but you've done like five episodes and they knew him. So, uh, mm. I mean, really, I think I would have put that on at the start. I think it's very interesting that first three years, particularly, yeah. that they actually got rid of some of the main cast because... People were saying it was too male. Yes. There were no female leads mm-hmm. in that first few series. Yeah, because you get you lose the male captain at the precinct, don't you? Mm. And you get mm. Lieutenant Van Buren in instead, mm-hmm. um, who's a great character. She's you know, mm. she's it's it's really nice to see such a strong female character, and there'd be no reference to it the fact indeed, she's a woman. Yeah. Mm. And also, you, you get the um, assistant DA who's made into a female character, and she's one of mm. many assistant DAs who will be female that will follow on over the next sort of 16, 17 series, however long it is mm. before. 
Yeah. It initially came to an end. What I am impressed, though, is that uh, Dick Wolf does seem to have had a certain amount of loyalty to his actors yeah. over the over the various series. I mean, Dan Florek does get to play a bigger part in SVU later on. Mm -hmm. And I'm also fascinated, while, while we're sort of chewing the fat about the series before we get into more detail, that it exists in the same universe as Homicide Life on the yes, Street. Yes, because you get a crossover so episode, you, don't you? you get yeah. um, Richard Belzer yeah. crossing over from Homicide they do, there were crossover episodes, but then you actually get Richard Belser crossing over to be a main character in SVU later on, mm -hmm. which, again, is just slightly bizarre, mm. but wonderful. If you like your telly connections. Yeah. I know quite a few series have now done crossover episodes, but, but that felt quite significant when it first happened. Yeah. You actually get a very different filming style on Homicide, mm. and it's funny to see when they play in the episodes of Homicide that feature Jack McCoy, mm -hmm. it's a very different filming style. It feels very odd to suddenly, you're looking right up his nose because they're using handheld cameras right in his face kind of thing. Mm -hmm. It's really quite a bizarre thing. I mean, I'll just look at the um, Law and Order UK briefly as well because mm. that runs... Well, that's another spin-off, isn't it? But that's, that's a weirdly British spin-off. It took a while to get to the British version. It did. It? It, it starts in 2009, which is only a year or so before the original run of Law and Order in the US finishes mm. and runs to 2014. Mm. I think it probably would have run longer, but I think Bradley Walsh, who plays the lead detective in that decided he didn't, he didn't want to do any more and they decided that they didn't want to take it on without him. I think that shows a big difference between American television and British television. Yeah. I think and maybe it may as much as anything about budgets, but over the course of those five, six years, they only made about 53 episodes of the UK version. Yes. And they were making sort of six or seven a year, a year mm -hmm. or as a season. And weirdly, some of those were remakes of American episodes. They were all remakes of but, American yeah, with, episodes. With different yeah. legal systems yeah. in place. Yeah. But what gets me about that is the Americans can churn, well, let's say churn out, but they were putting out 22 a year. Yeah. You know, incredible stories. Mm -hmm. I don't feel the, the writing quality dropped at all across no. Law and Order. I think no. every week, the, I mean, there were the occasional weaker episodes, mm -hmm. but overall it holds up very well. And yet, you know, they were churning out as much in two years as the British version managed in six years. Yeah, yeah. Though I do think the first and second series of Law and Order UK were filmed together and then they ITV split it. Mm. So they split it that into two, sense, yeah. um, two lots of eight, I think. So mm. Obviously, yeah, in, in Law and Order UK, Bradley Walsh is... They're, all, they're both uh, detective sergeants, actually. So he's not like a detective mm. inspector because I think that, that would have taken him too much out of the actual being boots on the ground kind of mm. thing. So he's the sort of the senior detective. And then for the first five series, you get Jamie Bamber, who had just come from doing mm. uh, Battleship Galactica uh, in America. Mm. I don't know if he came back to do this, but it's relatively soon afterwards, I think. And he plays... Um, he turned upon the Death in Paradise spin-off last year, didn't he? Did. he? <laughs> yeah, I think, I think he's, he's probably now in the position that he's got a family and he doesn't possibly want to uproot them and take them back to America. So he's concentrating on stuff mm. in this country. But he plays uh, Matt Devlin, who mm. is killed at the end of Series 5. Spoiler mm. alert. You don't actually... You see the shoot. You see it's at the end of a trial and you see him get shot mm. and then... The next series, you just get references to it, and you've got a new mm. detective sergeant in with with uh, Ronnie Brooks, as he's called, which is is quite mm. close to Lenny, I think. Lenny, Ronnie, you know, kind of. Mm. I think he's who he's based on. Do you feel that the British series 
feels like the American one, or do you think it does feel very British? Does it feel more like a, I don't know, a, a Dixon, a Dot and Green, or a Zed Cars kind of thing, or does it still feel like the Law and Order series, the American one? I, I don't think it feels like the American one, just because the way that the police deal with things in this country and the way that the legal system deals with things in this country is so different to the American mm. version that you couldn't make it feel like that it's got the feel of it in the way it's shot sometimes about you get the walking scenes um you get mm. a lot of walking scenes in in the american version but you've got you know quite a few and it's, it must have been quite difficult to do that because they're out on the streets so to not get mm. people looking at the camera because you get it in a lot of 50s stuff they'll be filming something and there's all these people in the background just watching mm. maybe people have got more i think it's interesting there. that certainly in the american version the new yorkers just seem to take filming in their stride now don't they? yeah I mean, it's, just, it's just it's like oh there's another film crew Pff, carry on walking you know but we actually we seem to still find the making of television fascinating as bystanders in in britain mm-hmm. yeah because there's nothing worse is that i mean you don't get it in dramas obviously um, they don't have but it's like when people are filming stuff in the streets and people try and duck so they won't be seen by the camera but just get the top of their head in shot you're like, just walk past mm. the camera. It looks more natural if you just walk past the camera. Don't duck, because you're then making the point there's a camera there. So, uh, but yeah, I mean, obviously they probably would have um, called the streets off anyway while they were filming, because I don't think you could actually do it without. But yeah, cause, but obviously it's, it's really weird, because the British system is so different, because obviously in the court scenes in the American version, it's just... The accused isn't in sitting in the dock. There's no dock. Mm. He sits at a table next to... The The, the, the prosecution's on one side, the defence is on the other side. Um, mm. Whereas in British courts, the accused, the person who's accused of the crime is sat in a dock away from the main body of the of people in the court, aren't they? So, mm. um, But yeah, it's, it's, it's an interesting way of shooting things. I did watch an episode the other day with commentary and they did say that they would they would shoot... All one way in the court, so they do all the all mm. the sort of uh, lawyer stuff, and then they turn the camera around or the barrister stuff, I should say, and do the other shot. So it was quite difficult because you might shoot something in the morning, and then you'd have to shoot it again mm. in the afternoon, but from a different point of view. So you've got to sort of try and really? remember what you did and how you shot that scene. So mm. so that's to, yeah, that's to play keep moving the camera. They just shoot one way and then shoot the other. And of course, in the mm. British version, you do get the absolutely lovely sight of Paul Darrow as a judge, um, <laughs> who is just basically being Paul Darrow. But it's, mm. it, it was always lovely to watch an episode and go, oh, it's Paul Darrow as a judge. That's going to be fun. So because he's, he's always slightly sort of sarcastic as a judge. Because mm. um, there's one particular story, which is, because is, I say all, all of the British episodes were based on stories that they'd done in America. I think Dick Wolf right. sent them a list when they started of episodes that he thought would make a good remake. Um, hmm. And then they just picked other ones just to see. And there's one episode called Defence where hmm. the accused decides to represent himself because he's right. he's trained in law, but he's, he's schizophrenic. And towards the end of the episode, it becomes clear that he's stopped taking his tablets again. And there's mm. there's a lovely bit where because he says about he's he's got a thing about that he thinks this he's this person from the Bible and somebody's trying to kill him and he's saying about his armor okay. and Paul Darrow says well you can sort your armor out in a minute 
you know so he actually sort of it's, it's quite it, it's not sort of doing it it's, it's doing it to sort of, sort of calm him down mm. so that that's a really interesting episode do you feel a connection with something like crown court with it does it feel there's a kind of same dna in that because I, I remember thinking i was watching a few crown courts recently and and the judge the role of the judge can be quite passive in a lot of these dramas, but mm-hmm. the judges sort of they're there and they and they can butt in quite often. Yes, yeah, it's there is some similarities to it, but it's it's mm. it, in Crown Court. Obviously, you get the details of the crime and then you get the mm. defence and the prosecution. Where this, where Law and Order, is very much shot from the point of the prosecution. Mm. Um, so. It's yeah. It's I don't know. I mean, I think I think any court based. Well, you've got to give it. If you've got a decent actor in the part, you want to give them something to do. Yes, and that's the thing. And and yeah. I think the judge role can sometimes be a bit thankless as an actor. It you can. Know, you've got to sit there at occasion, and then you get to do the, you know, you shall be taken from this place stuff. But generally, yeah. it's it can be a bit of a thankless role. Mm. What was it? that initially drew you to Law and Order? Was it the UK version or was it the American version that you watched first? I saw the UK version first and then I... Right. That, was that actually when it was when being it was broadcast? being broadcast originally. And I did... Yeah. Mm. Um, I did have one DVD of one of the series, which I now have twice because mm. I bought... Because I wanted to watch a few episodes. I bought some of the mm. um, series on DVD and as part of that bundle, right. I got series one again. So I, I've double dipped on series okay. one. But um, it well, was. It, it, does, it does sometimes happen. It was, it it? was but, unavoidable, uh, but. Uh, but were you drawn to it because, you know, for example, because Freeman Agyeman was in it, or, or, you know, there were Doctor Who actors in it, or was it was it just, oh, I like a crime drama and this is, this is a good one? Because it was kind of a, quite of a low key thing on. on well, certainly in Granada, they didn't seem to make mm. a big deal of it. It sort of came and went. And, and I just. I, I, it's weird that actors that were in it have gone to other shows later because i mean i think bradley walsh particularly wasn't necessarily people were a bit funny about him doing acting mm. weren't they when it first started yeah i mean he'd, he'd been in coronation street before that i think mm. i think coronation street was b- before he did lauren order but they i still don't think mm. people realized what a good actor he was um mm. and he is he's he's i always think if they ever wanted to do a remake of Dixon of Doc Green, he would be the perfect George Dixon because he's <laughs> he's very good as that sort of everyday down-to-earth policeman who yeah. you'd really want to be investigating your crime because mm. you know that he's going to do it to the best of his ability. But his character has a history of... His character, as I say, is very much based on the Lenny Briscoe character because he has a history mm. of he's an alcoholic, and Lenny Briscoe's mm. character is an alcoholic, so mm. um, they sort of took that, and that's but that's the only background you get that, and the fact that he's been married twice. You don't see any mm. any scenes at home or anything like that. It's as you say, purely mm. the job. I always like that. It's one of the things I genuinely liked about it. You know, it's kind of it's I don't know why. It's just that sometimes because again, the way sort of drama's structured, it, it, it to give people a home life, people think that makes it more interesting. But actually sometimes it just after a while it becomes annoying because mm. they have to find ways of crowbarring that story into it. And actually sometimes you really just want to get on with the process of, you know, having a bloody good crime drama yeah. to watch yeah and I, I think people sort of 
come to expect that sometimes. And I think Law and Order in both versions proves that you don't need that. All you need is an interesting story and that will hold it together enough for the episode. Yeah, I think because what for me, one of the things that does interest me and it sort of relates to this, but Law and Order had been on for three years when NYPD Blue started mm-hmm. and NYPD Blue went into this whole thing about the complicated personal lives of its main characters. And, and that was its raison d'etre, if you like. That was part of its lifeblood. But actually, Law and Order, when you watch the two together, can seem quite laid back and sensible. And yet. In the end, I think overall, I prefer Law and Order as a series to watch. I think it's very rewatchable. I think mm-hmm. that's the beauty of Law and Order. It, it, and because they are these one off standalone episodes, generally, there are threads that sometimes run across a few episodes, but yeah. generally, it's an hour and that hour tells that story. And I think that's a. It's, it's something that still works mm. as a television idea. Yes. Yeah. I mean, one thing, um, because I've obviously been watching quite a lot of it in preparation for this, and Mm. I Mm. I have had, just had it on in the background, really, sometimes Mm. on 5USA, and there was an episode on yesterday, and Andrew said to me, do all of these episodes have religion in them? And you're like, "Uh, yeah, because (laughs) this episode was about um, a church was burned down, and then they find a body inside, Mm. but they find that the the man is a bit of a man was killed before the fire and the mm. the defendant claims he killed him because he was teaching his daughter evolution right but it turns out it's it's not quite that at all it's something else mm. but there's a lot of episodes because there's also an episode where um, a priest kills a drug dealer and he claims that mm. god made him do it god told him to do it yeah and I, I, I just, I don't know whether in this country you, you would necessarily be able to get away with that without the person looking like a complete and utter fruitcake. Um, well, yeah, because it, it, there is a lot of connection between law and religion in America, though, yeah, isn't there? I mean, it, it, it's, it is a very different culture. And, and I think the interesting thing is what, what we, we're going to talk about, really, which is that when you adapt the show yeah. from one to the other... Mm-hmm. The changes that you have to make are kind of fundamental because despite the fact that we seem sometimes to suggest otherwise, you know, America and, and Britain have very different cultures, yeah. and very different underlying things. The church still seems to be quite central to American life in a lot of cases, yeah. uh, it, certainly in, its, in legal life, in political life. You know, you, you have to pledge allegiance to this that and the other mm-hmm. whereas over here i don't think people are that fussed whether you have no religion or not it wouldn't necessarily change your opinion of a politician to find out that they were an atheist no. however i'm not necessarily convinced of that because the way the press can be these days it's not it's not quite so cut and dried anymore mm. yeah but again you see there's also a big connection between the one thing i don't like about american series quite often is that sometimes they resolve the story or give it a shock ending by having somebody shoot somebody take the law into their own hands Mm -hmm. and i feel that that is i don't know that feels like it feels like a shortcut sometimes it feels too easy i mean i know it's not easy but the fact that they are a country that's full of guns does change the stories that they can tell Mm -hmm. yeah i mean this there's an episode well an episode that they 
was originally shown in America in series seven, mm. which they made for series four of Lauren and Order the UK. In America, it's called We Like Mike, which apparently is a riff on We Like right. Ike from uh, yeah. from from whenever. Yes, the campaign yeah. in the fifties. Yeah. Yes, it was the um, pres- presidential campaign. Yes. But in this country, they called it Help, and it's basically the story right. of um, in the in the UK version, he's a an ex professional footballer and he's i think he works on mm. wall street in the american version but he's 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 had a lot to do with charities and things and in the american version right. he's shot but obviously in this this country guns are they're not you, obviously criminals can get hold of them then but they're not as easily mm. available as they are in america um yes you can't just go to a shop and buy a gun which you can mm. in america and he's he's beaten to death in the in the English version, and and they initially suspect somebody who says he was helping him change his tire because the tire had mm. he had a flat tire, and in the English version mm. it's um, Lorcan Cranich, the actor who was in Cracker, right, and but in the American version he's a lot younger, so it's just interesting. You look at the way they do things and how they tweak things mm. to make it slightly different. It does tell you, though, doesn't it, that the stories, the stories about people are similar. Yeah. You know, they or or alike all over, if you like. But somehow, the way you tell those stories have has to be altered just because of the nature of the country. I mean, I believe. I mean, again, I've not seen any of these, but I believe Law and Order as a franchise has been made in various countries around the world. Yeah. So, so I assume it has to be twisted for each individual. Yes legal system because yeah. I, I know I, I saw an interview with Dick Wolf um, it was on the, the first series of Laurel and Arnold UK where he said that it'd be mm. quite difficult to do a series in France because in France you're guilty until you're proved innocent Ah. so but uh, but that would put an interesting spin on it I guess well I have very much been enjoying the Astrid series which is in the Walter Presents stuff on uh, Channel 4 if, mm-hmm. if you want to track it down because that actually sort of has prosecutors going about their business, if you see what I mean. And it is a fascinating, slightly different take on on the law. But yeah, it, it is. I, you're right. It probably wouldn't. Did I read rightly that there was actually an Indian version? I'd not. I'd not found oh, that I'm out. Making that up. But... I might be making that up. I just thought they they definitely made it in various yeah. different parts of the world. But now, it's so. a very and I suppose format. you can't, like you say, you can't do it everywhere. No. Because some some legal systems just don't divide things up that way but it is a quite it's quite a flexible format that you the possibility is that just with a few tweaks that you can make it in virtually any country as you say depending on what their legal system is like Mm. but i think yeah because you get sort of because obviously later on in the run in the american version jet mccoy becomes da Mm. which i just think means he gets less screen time really hmm it takes a good 10 years for him to get from one to the other and there are yeah. some other people in between yes. Schiff and him but yes, yes it's yeah. uh, it, it, I think it's the last four seasons but of course Linus Roach yes. takes over the Jack McCoy role yes and it's really weird to see him doing an American accent because I'm going hang on a minute that's Ken mm. Barlow's son you know so <laughs> I love the connections, though. I think that's the beauty of it. I mean, the fabulous thing about the British version is you get an actor like Bill Patterson. Mm-hmm. You know, you get four years of Bill Patterson, then you get four years of Peter Davison yeah. in the sort of what role is it over here? The chief prosecutor. He's the um, yeah, he's but, the um, CPS director, mm. the DPP, who's the director of public prosecutions. He's actually played by Isla Blair, I believe. 
Mm. Um, she she pops up in one or two episodes, but it's it's really. I mean, you look at some of the people that have, have starred in the British version, because mm. as well as Paul Darrow as a judge, you've got Michael Cochran as a slightly slightly mm. suspect judge. I would say you don't know whether <laughs> well, he's he does slightly suspect very well. Michael he does, Cochran, doesn't he? Really? In in some ways, these are the shows that sort of replace the ones where all those old favourites we used to see popping up in all sorts of shows. These were the shows that you need in the modern era for those kind of things to happen, really. I mean, yeah, you get him in it. Um, obviously, um, Kevin McNally is in an episode where he plays the mm. uh, defendant and he is acquitted at the end of the episode. He's, he's accused of trying to kill a, a homeless man who's living in... It's like a park where he lives, uh, the house where he lives. And there's a bit towards mm. the end of the episode, well, right at the end of the episode, after he's been acquitted, where he stops to talk to the chief prosecutor, who is played by Ben Daniels at this point. Mm. And he says to him about, tell the, 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 the person he, he beat up not to come back or he'll do it again. And But he mm. does it with such menace. You forget, because um, he's... Obviously, most recently we've seen Kerry McNally in comic roles because he's played mm. he's played Tony Hancock, he's played um, Captain mm. Mannering, and of course he was in Flux mm. as a sort of uh, Doctor Who Flux as a um, yeah. lackable character. And you forget at that point mm. in his career he was playing a lot of heavies because mm. he'd been in Spook and mm. played a really nasty role. And this is another one where you sort of think, oh, I wouldn't actually like to cross him because. He just he does menace really well, but mm. the American version of that is completely different. You don't get that mm. scene. But I think if you've got an actor like Kevin McNally who you know can do that, you're going to write that in, aren't you? So uh, I think it's just again it's part and parcel of the difference between the two program making styles. I think the American series possibly it sort of draws back from consequences sometimes. I do remember you used to get these incredible shock endings hmm. but they were always basically they would happen in the corridors of the district attorney they yeah would, you know someone would come in and say oh you know this person did themselves in in prison or or, or has been shot by the you know and it would be like one of those matter of fact oh right okay you know that but you would get these shock endings but i think sometimes the british we can't resist show not tell. If mm. you see what I mean, we we have to have the helicopter explode for want of a better word. You know, it has to be somehow. You can't just have that happen off screen. So I don't know whether it's because we just we have a different kind of relationship with television, or whether it's mm. just maybe something to do with the way we tell stories. If you see what I mean, it's just it's subtle, but it's different. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because there's, there's an episode in the last series of Laura and DK series eight where because um, you get obviously uh, in the earlier series you've got Harriet Walter as the detective inspector and then you get Patterson mm. Joseph as the detective inspector and he gets shot dead mm. in the last the penultimate episode of series eight and that is based on right. an American story where no none of the main characters Jack, Jack McCoy is under threat but mm. so obviously survives to the end of, to the end of the episode and beyond but that's quite a brave thing to kill off. I mean, he's not like, he's like a sub-lead because obviously Bradley Walsh mm. and um, I think it's Ben Bailey-Smith at that time, who's his, the other detective sergeant. Yeah. But to kill off one of your main characters like that on screen as well, because you actually mm. see it happen, mm. is quite a brave thing. 
but maybe at that point they knew that they were coming towards the end of the series and they could afford to do it I don't know I don't mm. know whether they if they knew at that point they wouldn't be coming back for another series or not so well I think it's interesting that in the sense that in the American one I think there's a run of about six or seven years where you don't get the same main cast any two seasons on the trot mm. but when it settles down when you've got used to a character, you know you're going to get maybe 40, 60, 80 episodes with them. And of course, in the British version, the turnover of cast, you know, you, you maybe only get a dozen with any of them yeah. because it just the cast turnover because of the nature of the only making the you know 13 a year or mm-hmm. broadcasting six a year. You know, it, it really does feel in the British version that the cast is sort of got a revolving door thing going on. But then you say that, but Freeman Radjaman, does the first, I think it's the first five series before mm. she leaves. But I think at that point she would, uh, was getting offers to do stuff in America. So obviously she wasn't mm. going to turn that down. Actually, first six episodes, uh, first mm. six series she does. And she's mm. really good. I think probably you asked me before what drew me to the Lauren Order UK. Mm. And I'm not sure I actually answered your question. But I think it was initially the fact that she was going to be in it. Mm. But I do like police series. You know, we watch an awful yes. lot of police series. And this one was a more unique one in the fact that you get, as I say, both sides of it. You get one half mm. the investigation, the other half the prosecution mm. of the case. And sometimes, and Andrew asked me earlier, is the defendant ever found not guilty? And occasions they are. I mean, I couldn't, I couldn't name you episodes. Mm. but Yeah, this, would, this isn't Perry Mason. It would yeah. be unrealistic <laughs> to never yeah, it's definitely, not have it's that. Definitely a, it's about 50-50, I would say, really. Jack McCoy doesn't always win in America. No, so, you know. no. And he gets, he gets, yeah, he gets very, well, not cross, but he's, he, now you've said about, you've said about Sam the Eagle, I can't see anything else now, it's ridiculous. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, he's... he's Ruined forever, <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Yeah, he's, um, I think he's more of a, uh, when you look at him and you look at Michael Moriarty's character, Ben Stone, hmm. but I've just watched, I haven't said this, I'm now going to go back on what I was saying, I've just watched an episode um, his mm. last episode today, where mm. he pressurises the witness into testifying, because she testifies mm. and lies, and he knows that she's lied, so he charges her with perjury, and he keeps pushing her and pushing her and pushing her and pushing her, mm. till she eventually testifies the truth, and then she gets shot afterwards and killed mm. uh, for, for testifying, which is what pushes him to leave the series. Um, mm. down the fact he didn't get on with the people he, you know, the people that were making it at that point. I think he, he sort of, mm. I think he... Yeah, it, there's, uh, well, there's a, there are a lot of stories told about Michael Moriarty's relationship yeah. with, with the series I, I, uh, I, towards the end. Yes, it's, but it, it does fascinate me actually because I think the American show, but also to a, a lesser extent perhaps the British show, in many ways a lot of it's about politics, isn't it? There's a yeah. lot of political manoeuvring and a lot of sort of trying to please I mean, again, the shift character, the DAs in America, all have to be voted. They have to. Yes. Be, they have to win elections yeah. to get this. To get job. the job. Yeah. So they're always trying to please the electorate, and a lot of things are done not necessarily because they're right, or not necessarily because it's the most legal thing to do, but because it's expedient politically. Mm-hmm. And this features throughout the twenty years of the show. Sometimes, mm. sometimes the people are arrested. And sometimes they get away with it because they've got money in mm-hmm. America, for example. Yeah, uh, and you do you, know. you get Jack McCoy pushing against that quite a lot because he's he, he he's very mm. much 
it's what the, justice well, yeah should justice be should be seen to be done handed, yeah. yeah but he doesn't always win that because he, he quite often he's Stephen Hill's only part is to come in and say make a deal and go off again and that's all he mm. all he'll do he'll, or he'll pop up and he does rights. it wonderfully he does that's the wonderful thing about Stephen Hill really well he makes a real <laughs> impact but I do wonder whether when um, Sam Waterson as Jack McCoy gets to be DA whether he thought oh actually this means I get less stuff to do because he only mm. just pops up really towards the second half well probably mostly the second half of the episode and advises and then off he goes he doesn't get to do any of the investigation he doesn't get to do the court stuff so i suspect he was just knocking on a bit by that stage i mean and, it's, and he'd done 16 years yeah. or that it was 10 years of, of actually 12 years of, of being you know doing all that stuff every week i suspect maybe he just thought you know i quite like to still take the paycheck thank yeah. you very much yeah i, I <laughs> just have a slightly less less work yeah, to do i assume they still paid him the same amount as well so to do well you've been on a show that long your deal is probably pretty good yes. isn't it i mean I, I suspect they paid him quite well to come back as well yeah, but yeah it's, it's it's although he's done some fascinating work in between which is it, which is kind of interesting. Yeah, it's because uh, it just doesn't doesn't quite. It does surprise me sometimes <laughs> that that, uh, that when you see these people in other roles. I mean, Jack McCoy just became this beacon of justice mm. in many ways for so long that to see him sort of I don't know selling computers or something in an advert is a little bit oh right yeah okay because <laughs> you forget they're actors don't you? you I mean, it's, you it's weird because he's in uh, is it Oppenheimer? Is it, it the, is the original Oppenheimer yeah. or yeah one of those shows about. The creation of the atom bomb mm-hmm. that he did over here before he did Law and Order, you know, and he turns up in Capricorn One, which always throws me. But there we are. <laughs> yes, I mean, he's, he's a really good actor. It's, it's again, if if you were the relative of a murder victim, you'd want him prosecuting the case because mm. he he you know he always does his best. I think to to. Mm. To get his man. To get the prosecution. Yes. And it's, 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 he doesn't always win because it would be impossible for yeah. somebody to always win. And sometimes he's not entirely ethical about the way he does it. He'll he'll mm. use something as, as a sort of yeah. pressure. As a means to an yes. end, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Although, interestingly enough, I think in... Because I also remember thinking this about The West Wing, is that somehow the fictionalised characters doing these jobs... You know, they're sort of better than the ones you actually get in the real world yeah. sometimes. You you really genuinely want to have people who have that absolute total compass, the moral compass going on, mm-hmm. you know, that, that really seem to understand that this is the law and this is politics and or whatever. And they just absolutely and utterly have a moral grounding that somehow the real world, those jobs, those professions, those political positions sort of seem to attract people who have have less credibility and and, and a a slightly less moral really in the real world and that's a bit of a shame and that's why I think we admire these characters on television so much Mm -hmm. yeah so I mean god we're we're running to the end of our hour already Lisa this is uh, astonishing but of the two I mean Mm -hmm. I'm granted there are lots and lots of various versions of law and order but if we're actually talking about the UK and the original American series, of the two, which do you actually prefer? Uh, well, see, that's that's difficult because there are different things I like about them. I mean, I think probably ah, okay. for for sheer longevity and and the amount of yeah. episodes, the, you, it would be hard to beat the US version um, mm. because of 
just the amount of episodes that they've made, but there was a certain something about the American version. And I was saying to Andrew the other day, but you watch the British version and it's it's filmed in London and it all looks a bit grubby and a bit sort of yeah. uh, dirty. But where even in New York, in the bits of New York which are less salubrious than others, mm. it's there's still a slight... I mean, I think it's because it's made on film as well, or it was made on film. Mm. There's a slight sheen to it as well, which makes it look mm. slightly more... It's just exotic and yes. foreign, isn't it? I yeah. think that's the thing. I remember thinking when um, in the Bond film, The World Is Not Enough filmed a big sequence in London right at the beginning, and I just thought, yeah, but it's London. It just looks like shabby old London. <laughs> I think your own country always looks a little bit more run down mm. and familiar, if you like. And I think sometimes the American cities always seem very, very exciting and, and places you'd go on holiday and all that kind of thing. But what fascinates me is I always think most of these things look better at night somehow. You know, when you've got these wonderful yeah. glass windows in the back of a shot and you see the city with just mm -hmm. the lights on behind you. I think somehow both series then look expensive. It's like you switch the lights off and suddenly everything looks a bit more, yeah. a bit more glossy. Yeah. Yeah, and it's, it's hard to believe sometimes. But I, what I gets me about the American show is, to me, if it comes on, I mean, it's very rare now, but occasionally if you just, you know, if you just happen to come across an episode, it, it's very watchable. It's very easy to get drawn in. They're very watchable stories. And once you sort of get into the storyline, mm. you want to know yes. how it gets resolved, which is a very good way of making somebody watch yeah, an hour Yeah, it keeps you, you... You get past a certain point and you you, need, you sort of kind of have to stay till the end to find out what happens, whether the person mm. they think did it gets mm. convicted of it or not. Or not. Um, well, there's also a good thing, I think, that the British version is... I think you're absolutely right that there's some of our favourite character actors, some of the people you really want to see doing their thing, get very meaty roles in mm. the British version. And, and somehow that feels yeah. comforting and that feels enjoyable and that makes you want to watch it because you just, you know, you want to see those actors doing something a bit different to what you're used yeah. to seeing them do. I mean, you get an episode, I think it's in, I think it's series one. And again, it's a, it's a remake of an American episode, and you've got uh, Ian Glenn as as he's a convicted killer, and then they find the body of the person who's supposed to have killed, and it's in a different place to where yeah. it was supposed to have been buried, and it's a different method of the murder is it, the, the way the person was killed is different. Right. So he gets out on appeal, and then there's a new trial, and he represents himself, and he's he's. I mean, obviously, he's been in other things, but you just—he plays such a interesting, dislikable character. You really, you sort of—it almost it, it makes your skin crawl because of the kind of character mm. he is, which just proves that you know what a good actor he is, and and how he could then go on and play something completely different. Well, I mean, which obviously is is what acting is all about. But it's, you know, mm. it's you, you watch these things thinking, how do people get away with this? I mean, I, I always watch, when I watch things in setting courts and you've got the defence barrister, I always wonder how they, mm. they can justify doing that. I mean, obviously, the, the people are entitled to defence, but how they can mm. do that if they know the person they're representing yeah. is guilty? Or do they have to believe mm. they're not guilty? 
Um, you know. Mm. Yeah, I mean, that, I suppose, is the problem, well, not the problem, of the criminal justice system is that you have the right to a defence. And even if you may think the person is reprehensible and repulsive, you know, they have that right and someone's got to do it. So, you know, that that's why we have a legal system. And I suppose the problem is always that sometimes people who shouldn't get off mm -hmm. do. But but I think the beauty of law and order, and again, across the board, the quality of it over the years, I think, holds up. You know, like I say, it's very consistent. But you do get these incredible characters. Yeah. Uh, you know, the characters engage you and, and interest you. And the only weird thing for me really is is that a lot of these shows, I mean, the early ones now are 33 years old, you know, mm -hmm. uh, and it's it's the cars that start to date it and the fashions, really. And it's, uh, yeah. A lot of these shows, that's the only thing that's, you kind of think they're going to get to the point where they start remaking them <laughs> to, to modernise them, if you see what mm -hmm. I mean. But you see, this, it's funny, isn't it, though, because you watch your 50s show and it looks really old, but you look, mm -hmm. watch a show from the early 90s and it still feels quite contemporary. Yeah, I think the only thing that dates it is the fact that if they have to call in anywhere, they have to go to a payphone. There aren't that many uh, <laughs> yes, mobile phones yes. at that point until you get sort of later on. And then you still, you know, it's still, um, they're still quite basic at that point, aren't they? So, uh, but there's a lot of, uh, especially at the start, isn't there? I need your cell phone because they've got a phone for the police or whatever. So It is one of the strange and peculiar things that so many films now that you used to watch they just think well if they just rang each other that's the plot yeah. half gone i was watching uh, the fugitive a few months ago and there's a bit where you've got what's his name gerard chasing harrison ford and he's at the top uh -huh. of the stairs and there's two guys at the bottom of the stairs you just think well just ring them up <laughs> yeah. but there we go there we go times move on Oh, yes. Well, there's a lot of, lot of programmes that you couldn't make now because, as I say, you could just phone somebody up and there wouldn't be an issue, would there? So, you know. <laughs> it's, it's, just, it's brutal. I suppose, as a, you know, as a script writers must think, oh, bugger, you know, all my little tricks and quirks, you know, you can no longer have. I sort of wonder about Terence Dick's loops in, in, in those episodes now that you just people would just ring each other up. That's a, yeah. Anyway, <laughs> so... I suppose the other thing we shouldn't forget before we sign off is um, Law and Order UK did give us pretty much the career of, of Chibbers, didn't it? Yes, yes. And many people say that's a bad thing. But, uh, uh, <laughs> but yeah, it, I think it gave him a little bit of clout, which meant he could go, he could do Broadchurch later and be trusted to do it. But, mm. yeah, so it's, um, yes, it's, it's interesting. Well, I think in some ways the fascinating thing to me is if you were if you were working on, on Law and Order at that time and you you didn't really have to worry too much about plotting because the plotting had been done for you. You know, the story was there. You had to do the thing to make it into a British show. Uh, I mean, I, I've, I'm, yeah, I've, I've never hidden the fact that I wasn't a huge fan of Broadchurch. But in the end, you know, the whole series, the UK series, was quite a grounding for an awful lot of the people who ended up working on other shows that you have come to love mm -hmm. over the years. So I think sometimes that kind of show, I mean, it, in the same way that Doctors is now getting the plug pulled on it, you know, but those kinds of sort of anthology shows that, that have a regular cast but different stories are a really good training ground for television yeah. professionals. And, you know, you need those kind of shows, really. Mm -hmm. 
Yes. Yeah, and there is a quite a big crossover between Law and Order and Doctor Who, even notwithstanding Chris Chibnall, because you you you've obviously got Bill Patterson who mm. were, was in Doctor Who and Freema Adjiman and various other mm. people. So you know they do mine it for mm-hmm. both sides, really. So mm. does that mean? Do we think maybe that the pool of talent? is actually still as small as it was in the 60s. You know how we used to say in the 60s, it was always the same faces, the same people turned up and the same writers, the same directors. But is it actually that small? You know, you, I mean, it, it does give opportunities for lights, little meaty parts for young actors who've not been seen before. I mean, when you look at the cast lists of, of these shows, some of the people who made their first appearances, certainly on the American one, just coming in and saying, docket number yeah. 651 such and such versus such and such and walking off and some of those people went on to have phenomenal mm. careers yeah. I, I don't know if it's small or it's just the fact that if you've got a part and it's a biggish part you're going to go for somebody you know who can do it who's proved themselves mm. to you before but um, I mean I think mm. probably and it was nice for, for Paul Darrow to get a bit of late resurgence. career yeah, yeah. It was, it's, it's, it's you know as I say, it's always lovely if you watch an episode and Paul Darrow is the judge because you just you get the pleasure of seeing him be as Paul Darrow as possible in that situation. So mm, yeah, so, so when you when you used to get someone like William Mervyn in yes. Crown Court, it feels that, that Darrow's doing the William Mervyn in Crown yeah, Court it, thing it, somehow. It's, take the moment and take the camera and say, "This is mine," because ultimately Darrow hadn't done a lot generally no. on television at that stage no. but but for some for a long time and, th- and there he was in 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 his last few years having quite a nice mm. meaty role which which i think we we, we can yes. appreciate yes he's, he's he's a good judge he's he's quite fair in some ways so but um yeah yeah i'd, I'd rather have them than michael Cochrane. so will you carry on watching law and order now i've uh, done this have you got uh, is it just part of your routine yeah i mean, especially as i say on a, a weekday afternoon if i'm here on a weekday afternoon and it's on, mm. on channel five and there's nothing else on but I, but I particularly want to watch which mm. quite a lot of time there isn't it's yeah you just sort of almost have it on in the background and mm. you do end up you can watching fritter episodes. away whole afternoons on law and order very easily if you if you put oh gosh yes you? you can you can very easily <laughs> well, it's very yes. watchable so thank yes. you very much for your time today Lisa for coming yes. in and talking to us all about Law and Order that's alright it's right. been a joy You're as welcome. ever and yep. uh, I hope to speak to you again very soon yes you take care ok you too Many thanks to Lisa Parker for joining me to talk about Law and Order today. And with so many spin-offs to think about in such a vast TV franchise, I hope she'll be back to talk about some of the others at some point. So that's it for yet another Vision on Sound for this week. My thanks to everyone at Fab Radio International for keeping us on the right side of the tracks. And of course, my thanks go out to all of you for listening. As ever, I have been Martin and this has been Vision on Sound. Goodbye for now and take care.